welcome to the Off the Charts Football Podcast. I am Matt Manicharian of Sports Info Solutions, joined by my colleagues, Alex Vigerman, James Weaver, and Bryce Rossler of the R&D Jamboree, and of course, Justin Stein with us on the controls. We had a fun game last week of Scouts versus Stat. Alex, how did you feel about it? How did you feel about it last week with our five matching top 10 pass rushers? Yeah, I, th- I thought it was good. I think the matching, like you expect to have some amount of matching at the top of any of these lists, and at least for positions where people sort of understand the skill set pretty well. But getting as many matches as we did was pretty surprising. And I think that just like the way that we structured it made it for a, a nice, fun exercise. And we got a lot of surprises as we went along. Yeah, I thought it was crazy. So let's run it back. Let's do some receivers. We have banded up again into two teams trying to build up some good old-fashioned animosity. And on the stats side, joining Alex is James Weaver. Call them Team Pennsylvania against Team whatever me and Bryce are. James, how are you feeling about the nerds today? It sounded like there might be uh, maybe a little bit of nervousness on the nerd side heading into today. That might have came from my counterpart. I'm feeling pretty solid about our lists. It might not be... Yeah, I guess we'll see to find out for sure. But I'm feeling pretty good. We had to make a change or two to change some things, but I'm feeling solid about it. All right. So it sounds like it's coming from Penn, not Penn State. All the discord in the ranks. Let's go. Uh, The toughness coming from Western PA and just uh, the softness is, is on Alex's front. Well, the I think in general in life, the I, I feel like I probably qualify as being pretty soft. So this I all I buy. All right, and then on the other side, Bryce, as our band of misfits, as we've come together, how do you feel about our list coming into today? We had some disagreements. I feel pretty good. The more I was thinking about it, though, I think I don't feel so good about our four and our five order. I have, I have some regrets, Ooh. but spoilers. Ooh, regrets. Interesting. I thought about it we'll more after we hopped off. But. We'll get there soon enough. Good to know that this is not like locked in and attached to your permanent record in any other way, except that it will be on the internet forever. All right, let's get into it. Scouts versus stats. Today, we are doing receivers. Who are the 10 best receivers in the NFL? You know the rules. We'll go back and forth. Scouts and stats, jocks and nerds, scouting versus analytics, all, all, whatever we want to call it, from 10 to 1. If the player is higher on the list. We'll hold off on the discussion. I'll try to remember that. I'll count on you guys to remind me. And if not, we can talk about him. I think the jocks led off last time. So this time we'll lead off with the nerds. All right. So our, oh, and so, well, first let's talk about methodology. So yeah, me and um, Bryce just threw it against the wall again. Yeah. And we did that, but which was, we threw numbers against the wall, you know? So first of all, the order in which we are discussing these players, James and I drafted the order in which we're doing this. We like meta drafted. So that'll be a, a fun little element to this exercise. Is but, it draft within a draft? Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So the methodology is basically the same concept as last time where we're taking three-year recency weighted averages of a whole bunch of stats and then assigning weights to them based on what we think is important and then averaging that up into a single number. The big difference here is that we, instead of using the average ranks as we did last time, we had a few metrics that had smaller ranges, and therefore there were a lot of players who had very similar numbers. And when you rank 
in that sort of system, you end up with people that look much more far apart than they actually are in terms of production. And so the combination that happens at the end, we did based on Z-scores, which is a statistical technique that tells you how many standard deviations away from the average you are. So this will basically treat everyone who's at the average as equivalent, even if there's actually like 50% of the population is very close to that number. So ELDR, you guys use the system that better reflects kind of the distance between people in a ranking rather than just the pure rankings themselves. Yeah. So the, the categories we used, receiving total points as a total, that takes up half of the metric. As we talked about last time, volume is something that we definitely want to incorporate. And all of the other, almost all of the other stats are rate stats. And so we wanted A, total points we think is the best thing we have to measure receivers, which is not as much the case with pass rushers, just because of what we've built into total points so far. And we wanted that volume in there because we do want players to have done it over a larger span of time. And then the only other thing that is not a rate stat is run blocking total points, which we expect to be a small number, but we did want to include as part of the receiving element. And there will definitely be a, a couple of players who are at the top of, of that list that we'll talk about. Then all of the rate stats are just different sort of elements of receiver production. We have positive play percentage versus man coverage. That is a total metric, but it's basically performance against man coverage in terms of, of EPA success rate. Then we have targets above expectation. So that is another Bryce Rossler joint. We had pressures above expectation last time. We have targets above expectation this time. Right. We, we broke their list again before we start. Sleeper agent. So we have targets above expectation. We have on-target catch rate, so the percentage of, of on-target throws that the receiver catches we is a better representation of hands than like drop rate because it includes more plays and is less subject to some of those funky definitions of what a drop is. And broken and missed tackles per reception. So elusiveness, that sort of measure. So everything but receiving total points is 10% and then receiving total points is the other half. And everything besides receiving total points is a rate stat in some sense. The, the run blocking one is a total stat, but it's a small number. So it's, yeah. Cool. Sweet. Yeah. Me and Bryce, we look for people that are fast, hard to cover, good at catching, and that sort of thing. I mean, we did, we did mostly that. That's basically <laughs> what we did. Different, different words, thought kind of the same thing. All right. Yeah. Let's jump right in. So I think speaking of hard to cover, I guess we can talk about number 10, which is Devontae Smith of the Eagles. Devontae Smith, we can talk about. Just oh. barely on the outside looking in, we we had him in that first crew right outside our top 10. Let's talk about Eastern Pennsylvania. Yeah. So his numbers actually look a lot. They look very similar to the, the number nine guys. So we definitely have those as pretty close to interchangeable. For him, the the big thing is, is being top 15 in receiving total points, which drives a lot of, of his value here. Run blocking is at least a little bit of a part of his game. There are a bunch of receivers on this list for which that's not really relevant, but the way that the Eagles play, definitely that's that's a part of what he provides value in, which is kind of interesting just because of his size. But then top 25 in targets of expectation, that's you know that that offense at times is basically just those two guys, which you may hear about another receiver on the Eagles at some point later in this list. But uh, so definitely a lot of, a lot of targets getting thrown his way. He gets dinged a little bit on catch rate and gets dinged. That's that's really his worst category in this sense. And then pretty sort of middle of the road 
elusiveness and, and success versus man coverage, at least compared to this top group of players. Last week, you talked about looking at pressure share, how much of a team's share you were getting. His targets above expectation does something yes. to that effect here. Yep. But, you know, with the big, the elephant in the room that I'm bringing up is AJ Brown, his teammate, who is, I figured would have some effect on the way that you guys try to like quantify these players. Yeah. I mean, targets above expectation is not exactly like target share, but it does account for some elements of that in terms of you have a different number of expected targets based on the number of players running routes and that sort of thing. So there is a little bit of that overlap there, but it's not explicitly target share in that sense. But these two guys, obviously, when you are a sort of two-headed offense in the passing game, you'll both of them can can get good marks in that respect. Yeah, I think that was a little bit of the part of the reason why he was probably on the outside looking in on our list. And I'm, I'll hold off on mentioning another name who was who's kind of similar in that regard. But Bryce, I think for us, mostly it was just like, we like him. There were just 10 or 11 dudes that we thought are scarier to cover. Yeah, I think so. And to Alex's point, not the best hands in the league. I really like the releases and the ability to uncover, but there are just some guys on our list that I think are a little bit more dynamic. Yeah, he's interesting because he's like, He's, his skill set is not the dude that keeps you up at night game planning during the week, but it is the skill set where it's just like, try to stop this dude from getting 100 yards every Sunday. It's very difficult to do. A lot of really good stuff over the intermediate portion of the fields, that sort of thing. All right, we'll go with our number 10. Bryce, we didn't draft ours. Do you want this one or is this me? This is all you. Our number 10 is Debo Samuel. Are we conversing about him or no? We are not conversing. Aha, he is above number 10 on your list. So we will hold off on the Debo chatter and we will go to number nine on our list after a lot, a lot, a lot of hemming and hawing. Number nine on our list was Cooper Cup of injury last year, but still pretty good production. And whew, are we waiting? Yeah, we're waiting. We are waiting. Right? Yeah, injury injury is something that we have a hard time accounting for. So do in, we. Usefully in this. Yeah. So it's, do we. It, yeah. It's hard to account for. And also, yeah, well, we'll talk about it, but all right. So we got to, I don't think we did this. Sorry. You only had some sort of SIS injury risk model. Yeah. If only I had something like that. I think this is the, we didn't have this happen last time where basically we just skipped one turn because both players were, uh, were ranked higher up. So we'll shoot some lad. We got some in here. We we got some, we got just some disagreement in the same, you know, well, well, players at different ranks and that sort of thing. Well, it's a, it's a little bit of like a world thing here because different positions, but like still, we don't know how much overlap or not our list will have, right? Like, all right, cool. Head back over to you guys. What do you find research analysts have coming in at number nine? So at number nine, we have CD Lamb. We are still not going to talk about any players. All right. That's three in a row. This is different than last week. Yeah. All right. Keep it going. Keep it going. Number eight. We're going to keep doing it. It's going to keep happening. At number eight, we have Tyree Kill. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's definitely going to keep happening. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll talk about some of the the things that impact evaluating players like Tyree Kill. But I'm almost certain that we are going to discuss the next player on our list. Number eight, another guy who is very hard for us to place, probably because he's scarier than he is productive. I mean, he's pretty productive too, but 
Number eight on our list, potential hot take, Jalen Waddle. So if you you're you're gonna talk about him. If you we're gonna talk about him because his rookie year he had like negative total points. Yeah. <laughs> so if you fo- if you follow total points, Jalen Waddle had like two in his rookie year. Something uh, around there. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, give your give your spiel, which is of course, you know, it's gonna say well, he averaged like less than ten yards per reception, even though he had like a hundred targets, they were all like garbage chandy. Changeli or whoever was calling plays, and then he was better this last year. I I'm almost certain. But give us give us how far how deep would he have been on your list? <laughs> so we haven't highlighted. He is 61. Oh, that's no, that's that's perfect. <laughs> but this is that's this perfect. is the problem, right? So so we have offense scheme elements to receiver performance that are difficult to disentangle analytically, and this will also come up with Hill. But Waddle had a really extreme season last year where it was a lot of crappy targets, drops, that sort of thing that are going to be penalized in a system like total points. And so, yeah, as, as I'm looking now, he had five total points last year on two years or two years yeah, on, yeah. A, on 100 catches. And this year he had he was the new Jarvis Landry. It was like, Dolph, yeah. can you figure out how to make this good player bad at helping you win games <laughs> like yeah we figured it out bubble screens yeah it was it was definitely like and to the point of of measuring like the existence of Tyree kill changes the kinds of opportunities that Jalen waddle gets and so maybe some of waddle's performance is attributable to hill in some way and therefore you might see think you see something that you don't actually see because hill's existence makes it easier for waddle all that kind of stuff to whatever extent you can try and disentangle that with your eyes and understand that there's another player on the field that's affecting things. Analytically, we have a pretty hard time doing that. I don't think it's that hard. I see a guy that's extremely fast and extremely quick. And yeah, but there are there are other guys. I mean, whatever. Darius uh, Darius Hayward Bay was fast. Like I don't know. We're we're comparing we're comparing Jalen Waddle to Darius Hayward Bay now. I'm just saying. No, we're like, going to compare. We're going to go back to comparing Jalen Waddle to Devontae yeah. Smith, who's actually the only player that. We've actually been speaking about so far. Both second options on their team, both drafted the same year. Mm-hmm. I think one after another in terms of within the position, the second and third receivers drafted that year, right? And they're both really good. They're both not busts uh, by any means. Yeah, you'd be super happy with either of those guys as your number two, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, this yeah, if you, to have two players on your team in, in this list, like in these conversations we're having, you're in very, very good position. The, the nerds wouldn't be super happy to have him number two. They have him sixty-one. He's like the he's like the second worst oh, yeah, let's wide receiver look. two in the league. <laughs> let's look where he. So he he is surrounded by legend. Well, surrounded by John Brown. We got Ben Skoranek, Marvin Jones, oh, Curtis Samuel. It's a great list. Skoranek. Oh no, no, that's hilarious. Like he, oh, we suck at our jobs, huh? <laughs> His hands aren't great. To Alex's point about the offense, he his hands are very inconsistent. We'll yeah. say that. Like he'll make some good catches, but he'll he'll miss a lot. He his drop count was was higher than almost anybody else that we looked at when when we when we started just uh, making sure that we didn't miss anybody from the list. Yeah, he he does get a lot of free releases in Miami with um, Daniel doing like stacks and switch releases and things like that. Some production on some screens, but I think a guy who's like 
as fast as he is and is able to also change direction as quickly as he is. He's just a dynamic physical talent and he's sufficient in other facets of play that he's not like a Darius Hayward Bay or someone of that nature. He's a guy that's going to run by somebody on a go route. Yeah, since we are the scouts, I will sh- shout out our scouting report on him a couple years ago. We did give him that that sort of elite speed grade, and the reason was not just because of the straight line speed, but because as as he runs his routes, he he has that speed at all aspects. Like it's kind of the second best Tyreek Hill skill set that that we have in the league. And then you put those guys on the same team, and you see why they're really really hard to defend. Well, and yeah, I, w- I was going to mention this as well. You and you sort of started the conversation. Like we had him as our number one receiver coming out. So we look a lot smarter after this year than we did after year one. <laughs> yes. Although still probably not as smart as we could have looked. All right. We'll keep it. We'll keep it moving here. Despite the production, the reason why we did have him ahead of the two guys that were, were nine and 10 on our list who were pretty good. He's scary. He's really scary to defend. And that, as we talked through it, we realized played a big role in our list. Like as we were scouting, which guy do you not want to line up across from the most was an important question for us and sort of hashing out all of these really good players. All right, we'll go to number seven, and I'm confident this is somebody that we'll talk about. This is sort of at the top of our seven through 10 tier as we sort of, this ended up being like one class of people. Our seven through 10 were all very close. Bryce, who did we arrive at the top of that class? Sedarian Lamb. Also known as CD. Yeah. Former Sooner. Current Dallas Cowboys. Well, you you should be confident because we already said that, that. Oh yeah, that was my confidence. Yeah. Yeah, 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 he was the nine for you. So okay, we good. Could okay, yeah. got him now. So just like <laughs> giving a bit, <laughs> yeah. So we debated his position with Waddle quite a bit. We went back and forth on it for probably about ten minutes. The reason we ultimately ended up with Lamb higher was because we just think he's a more complete receiver. He's a guy who has inside-outside flexibility, can win at all phases on the route, good releases, good routes. Good hands, good catch radius, good balance and body control. Not as dynamic as Waddle, but we just felt that he was he was sort of the total package, so to speak. And that's bet, why we better suited to like be a true number one, really. Even yeah. if Waddle might scare us more, that was where we ultimately leaned on that one. So I, I gave you why Waddle went up our list. TD went up our list because again, the guy inconsistency. We were comparing their drop numbers and stuff like that, but a little bit more suited to probably take on the load of, of being that first guy, which we haven't seen Waddle do. And obviously that uh, that agrees with what you guys on the stat side were thinking. Yeah, CD came in ninth on our list, revisiting from what we had discussed earlier. And to kind of go with your point, Bryce, about being the total package, adding to that, he was ranked 22nd in run blocking total points, which was third, which was fourth on our list in terms of the guys that we have in the top 10. He was 11th in receiver total points, on our list, going to show with his production. 16th in targets above expectation, which is actually near the bottom of the guys we had in the top 10. 64th in positive percentage against man. His own target catch percentage actually was second worst from guys we had in our top 10. He was ranked 112th. Yeah, inconsistent hands. I think Cowboys fans would tell you like, man, we love him except when we hate him, right? Like, mm. Yeah, exactly. And then was pretty high on our broken missed tackle percentage at 43rd. It is kind of interesting, you know, you talked about how he's better set as a number one than Waddle is. But like, as I kind of alluded to when talking about Devontae Smith, like if I'm looking at the sheet of their ranks and the coloring scheme and whatever, and they look extremely similar to each other in terms of the production along these 
metrics. And so obviously the physical elements come into play when comparing CD Lamb and Devontae Smith. But that's it's just sort of funny to see how we can imagine different kinds of roles for players who have kind of similar production. But obviously, Lamb has been given the opportunity to be the guy in a way that Smith has not, for example. I go back, I'm, I'm probably being an old school head in the sand scout here, but I go back and I would say, I don't think Devontae Smith can do all the things that CeeDee Lamb can. Like, like I, I put Devontae more in the waddle category of like, you're really good at these things, but there are some, some things that aren't there. But definitely food for thought because sometimes what we have as our priors are wrong. All right, let's go to number seven on the nerd list. All right, so number seven on the nerd list, we've already confirmed that we're going to talk about this player, which is Debo Samuel. Debo. So the thing that's most interesting to me about Debo being on this list is that we did not include anything that has anything to do with rushing, right? So whatever productivity he has from this real flexibility that basically, you know, maybe only Cordero Patterson has or whatever, like that element does not enter into into this at all. But just in terms of receiving total points, number six, you know, across everybody. And so, and you will not be surprised to find out that the other five are above him on this list. Broken missed tackles. We know the 49ers just love that after the catch elusiveness type stuff fourth ranked among receivers in broken missed tackles per reception. He falls off because of success versus man coverage. The target rate is not as high as as these other guys, but as James pointed out, like the players who are at the super high target rate are generally above him on this list. So he's the worst ranked among the top 10, but he's also 34th out of 200 something. So these guys are all getting the ball a lot, but he's not as commanding of the ball as some of these other players and is not as great at getting off man coverage. Interesting to consider. So two things. One, there are going to be no tight ends or running backs on this list. We only considered receivers. Sure. And then quite specifically, on your guys' list, you only considered receiving by those receivers, which I think is a part of the Debo value, but even more so than like handing him the ball is what he does after the catch and, and like breaking tackles in all contexts, really. He's a very scary ball carrier. We did include, um, I mean, yeah, so we it, it wasn't, I think that we made a choice that we included the run blocking because it's a more like consistent element of receiver play in a way that rushing is not like, right. Like only a few players are even being given opportunities to have carries in the run. This is like the newest flavor of uh, running backs don't matter to me. Yeah. Running, <laughs> running receivers don't matter. I have no issues with it. He was 10 on our list. He easily could have been seven on our list. I think he's right in that, in that zone. Bryce, anything you would add? No, I think, I think you guys hit most of it. The yard after catchability is special. He's, I also think he deserves more credit than he gets for his ability to work over the middle. I think he's really reliable on in breakers in the intermediate part of the field, slants, digs, stuff like that. And well, that aligns with what I, Alex was saying too. I think about him not being as good of a man to man target. Like he's not a separator like a lot of these other receivers are. But in terms of being able to make contested catches, to find the soft spot in the zone, and then to make you pay once the ball is in his hands, that's, it's a very, it's a very specific, like you couldn't just, I bet he looks different on the sheet than a lot of the other players um, on the list that you guys are looking at. It's also not something you could say a lot about, oh, like quote unquote gadget guys. I know some people might think of him as a gadget guy because of the things he does out of the backfield as a rusher for them and things like jet sweeps and screens and stuff like that. But that, I, I think he's a great Z receiver and he does gadget stuff too. 
more than like he's a gadget guy who we line up out there sometimes but that's well he's annoying. he's on this like, like like we were talking about like he's on this list and then we don't care about at all about the rushing stuff yeah all right cool let's keep it moving you guys number six to the nerds all right so we had a a, a what on the Tyree kill front this is our our next offer, offering to you i'm so nervous we pray to the sun god amon rossing amon rossing brown <laughs> Honorable mention on our list. Okay, cool. Honorable mention list. Okay. Not crazy. Okay. This is definitely the kind of player that I would not be surprised to show up on a nerd list that does not show up on a scouts list just because he's a productivity guy, has just been like ridiculously productive for the Lions. The he's actually but but that said, like in terms of ranking the players that we're talking about today, like his total receiver production has is the worst of any of these players. Again, ranking 16th among 200 some, but is top 10 in run blocking, top 10 in target targets above expectation. Again, not surprising at all, given especially what he did as a rookie. Is worse off in terms of elusiveness, broken missed tackle, getting off man coverage, but has very good hands numbers. And yeah, just a kind of surprisingly productive player and definitely fits a different kind of archetype as a lot of the players were. I cede my time to Bryce, noted, disgruntled Lions fan. This was a player that came up for us, and I, I think he has a much better take than I do here. Yeah, so I don't hate his inclusion here. I think he's an ascending player. I'm going to piggyback off the point you made about the separation versus man. I think he's more of a savvy route runner right now than he is an explosive one. The hands are really reliable. There's a lot to like with that. He's a pretty good athlete. I don't think he's the type of guy that scares corners like one-on-one, like a Jalen Waddle would. He's, I think he's a top 15 guy. I think he's ascending. I just don't think he's super dynamic at this point in his career, but I don't, is, I don't hate it. Is, do you see him becoming like a Mike Williams sort of player in his career? Is that, is that about his, his level and role or, or is he different? Maybe, I, I don't know, like Mike Williams is, is such a different player. Like when I think about Mike Williams, like Mike Williams is like a, a bigger vertical threat. That's right. a ball winner. Amon Raw St. Brown is more like working over the middle, winning in, in the short intermediate areas of the field. I, I think I like him a little bit better on, in the slot that I do out wide, but he's certainly showed that he can. He can produce outside. Detroit's used him in that way. But I don't know if I want to like Mike Williams to me is like a high end, like wide receiver two guy. I don't want to, I don't want to cap him there. And their, their, their skill sets are just so different. I don't, I don't want to make that Well, you guys are making me both the inclusion on the nerd list and your opinion of him. Bryce makes me want to go watch some more film of him because admittedly, having watched enough Lions film to feel like I really have command over their team like I do some others. But when the SIS football film room is ready, in a couple of months, I will make sure that he's on the top of my list. All right, not as crazy as you guys were maybe expecting that to seem for us. Let's flip to the SIS number six. We're we're leveling up a tier here, at least by the way that we did things. Six and five for me are like interchangeable. We'll get them both one after the other. Number six on our list is Stefan Diggs. Yeah, we will be talking about him later. Talking about him later. And as I mentioned, neck and neck with him, at least in my opinion, it sounds like Bryce might have changed on this one a little bit. Devontae Adams. Also talking about him. <laughs> Ooh, 
So our top of the list is going to be pretty meaningfully oh. different, it sounds like. Yeah, you're going to be missing some really good players, huh? <laughs> sure. Yep. <laughs> I just don't want to uh, read, I guess, maybe? Yeah, well, sure, maybe. I, I don't know about We'll see about that. Okay, so it's back to back to us. That was that tier. We went through yes. that tier. We didn't talk about them at all. <laughs> yeah. Let's go back to the nerd. All right, so back to me. We have alluded to this player already. He is the 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 alpha to the to the, his offense. That's AJ Brown. Not talking about him. All right. So close. So close. Uh, All right. And you guys back to number four. We're, defi- we're definitely not talking about this player, right? Yeah. No chance. At number four, we have the reigning offensive player of the year in Justin Jefferson. Not talking about him. Number four on our list is the number five on the nerd list, AJ Brown. And he sort of ended up in a tier on his own for us. But this is where things got started to get a little bit like me and Bryce were slightly off from one another. I think he's sort of like, to me, he is, I'd have him above Devontae Adams and Stefan Diggs, like I said, right there, not with our top three. So sort of a tier of his own right here. Bryce, I think you've oscillated between him being, he should be higher and he should be lower. I think you think he should be higher than our number three and lower than our number five. <laughs> Look, I have a lot of regrets in my life, but putting Devontae Adams behind his James Brown is probably the biggest one. That would have made us have a match, which uh, I don't know if we'll have the way things are going. Uh, oh, there's no shot. Okay, let's talk AJ Brown. What do you guys have on the stat side? I assume this is an Alex Vigderman special. Yeah, this is the the whole reason that we drafted players was because the Devonta Smith AJ Brown combination didn't have a, a good mix of of order so yeah so he is you could have done uh, multiples of three and five yeah it's a whole it's a whole thing <laughs> it's too much uh, but okay so aj brown the we talked about Devonte smith and targets and and how that offense works aj brown is the number three player in terms of targets above expectation the best among the players that we're talking about here top he's fifth in receiving total points which is, as we talked about is the biggest biggest part of this metric and the four guys ahead of him in in the last three years receiving total points are ahead of him on our list the rest of his ranks top 40 ish with the exception of catch rate so the the on-target catch rate is definitely the worst of the players that we have on this list 176th out of 200 something so that's definitely the biggest downside in his game but like the physicality the ability to go up and get it the deep threat combined with the ability to to just like get slants and stuff like that like he's very flexible player in 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 use case to some extent he obviously does a lot of this like in breaking stuff that is a a real big part of his it was a bigger part of the way that he was used in in tennessee i guess than than when he's been in philly but more he's got more to his game than i think that sometimes players that kind of look like him get characterized as Yes, I was I was waiting for Bryce to chime in, but I'll, but I'll keep going. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you across the board there. This is another guy. I think he's a slightly better Debo Samuel type player. Obviously, a little bit of difference in terms of the sort of things there, but just like the best broken tackle threat at wide receiver in the NFL right now. Physically, he is somebody that can bother basically any defender that he goes against because he's either stronger than you or faster than you. Like like his mismatchability, if not is especially. Yeah, right. So he's he's just a problem, and now that we've seen him on two teams, he's a bona fide number one, and a big part of you know making that whole unlocking that whole Eagles offense. But what he did there was, was just super meaningful. 
the only thing I have to ask Bryce is why he thinks Devontae Adams is better. Well, we can we can talk about that. When, yeah, what are we, we talking about? Trying to like the gun? What is this? Fine. I don't. That's like always trying to rules. bend the rules. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then we'll keep it moving. Who is going for number three? Which side is that? That's you, I believe. That is us. Am I Bryce? Who do we got? Yeah, we got Jamar Chase at number three. You can talk about him. You don't have him at all. Your list is broken. That's that's surprising to me. And I'm not even. <laughs> and Matt fought with me to have him as high as he did. Like I, I wanted him number two. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not the I biggest mean, Jamar Chase fan in the world. Like I didn't like him that much coming out, but the he's certainly proven me wrong. I had concerns about his size coming out. I think I probably underrated like the balance, the body control, the hand-eye coordination. He's also really nuanced at hand fighting when the ball is in the air, which has enabled him to be that type of vertical jump ball threat downfield because he's so good at that. Can also win over the middle pretty good with the ball on his hands. He's not like a A.J. Brown or a Debo Samuel, but he can he can get some yards after the catch. Just an all-around solid guy. Matt's, Matt's a lot higher on him than I am. I would still definitely have him top 10, but I'll let I'll let Matt gush about him a little more because I might not be doing him service where he is on our list. No, I think you're describing him really well. Like we're splitting hairs here when we're comparing him and, and who's number two on our list. So I think people can probably figure out at this point. We are splitting hairs and I particularly love this player's skill set. I think he can do everything as a wide receiver at a really high level. I think he put his team on the back to the Super Bowl in a lot of ways. And like Joe Burrow's awesome. I still want to see Joe Burrow without Jamar Chase at some point, just to confirm that, because it's such a cheat code having him on your team. Like, you can't cover him with one person. He changed you, you, so you're playing like 11 on 10 when you, when you have him on your team. I think he's incredible. And I'm very curious to hear what happened that kept him off of the nerd list. Well, as James and I discussed beforehand, uh, we forgot to include the did he come from LSU bit. In our code, which is why Justin Jefferson also was oh, a brother. But yeah, so part of it is that his production has been a little bit up and down at times. And so like he doesn't rank better than 20th in any of the metrics that we have. So that's the biggest detractor here is that he just doesn't have the same kind of like consistent production that some of these the guys who are in the, this top group have. And then happens to also rank very poorly in a couple of metrics. The the run blocking thing exists in the, in the measure, and that's part of just like what is being asked of him at times. But also the the hands performance, which has come up. Well, he's probably never been asked to run block like right. at all. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah, I'm shocked. To your point about the the eleven on ten thing, though, like this is another example of something that we can try to capture with with some elements of, of data that we have, but it's it's sometimes pretty tough to quantify the value of something like that. Right. It's interesting. I wonder if some of his rate stats suffer just because of like how how much volume the Bengals have in their passing game. That maybe there's something going on there. I guess also he missed some time last year that hurt him on the volume front. But wow. Wow. To make matters a little worse, he's also not our highest rated Bengal either. <laughs> well, is that a segue? No, no, it's not. No, not that much of a segue. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, are we about this? Are we about this? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, T Higgins honorable mention for us. We called him Anquan Bolden Light. Where where did he come out on your list? He came uh, out sixteenth. So very much in that honorable mention range from what you guys were saying before. And Chase was where? What number did you say? 
28. Broken. Broken, I tell you. <laughs> Embarrassing. It was almost because worse, of his low so. targets above expectation. Yeah. Blame everything on me. More fun that way. All right, let's flip it. Nerds, number three. All right, nerds, number three. We have another name that we've already mentioned, Stefan Dix. So talking about the, the Burrow chase thing, similar kind of thing with Diggs where he was unlocked by a quarterback was obviously... Oh, I think he unlocked the quarterback. Oh, whoa. I want to be clear here. So there, there's, which, there's, which two, there's two things. There's two, <laughs> it's a two-way lock. But when he was in Minnesota, he was very good producer, but has moved to Buffalo and has become an excellent producer. So that's what I mean by that. And of course, he's also contributing substantially to Josh Allen's productivity. But Diggs is third in receiving total points last three years, recency weighted, is 11th in both targets above expectation and success rate versus man coverage. The worst thing he has is the blocking stuff, which as we talked about, is like not necessarily having anything to do with him. And everything else is average or better. So just like a really solid receiver in terms of productivity and also some of these like skill set measures. Yeah, he's great on the release. He's I think his best skill is probably his ability to create separation on all sorts of different route types, be it intermediate or deep. The sort of threat that he ha- he has in both of those areas just makes him it's like, okay, we gotta stop him from getting over the top. We gotta stop him from getting over the top. And then he's open for that fifteen yard pass uh, yeah, on the dig route or something like that. No pun intended. So he and then he's great at the catch point too. I think Josh Allen, like I said, he he unlocked Josh Allen in some ways. Josh Allen, part of his you know quote unquote improvement in accuracy is bringing in receivers who caught the ball really well around him. And by bringing in Diggs, all of a sudden everybody that was the number one now only has to be the number two. If you were the number two, now you just have to be the number three. He's a phenomenal player. We had him at six. You have him at three. Sort of splitting hairs because he's true bona fide number one blue chip player. Anything you'd add there, Bryce? No, I think you I think you hit on everything. The the releases and the separation are really, really good. He's getting a little older, so he's not quite the athlete he was coming out. He ran like a four point three something coming out of school, if I recall correctly. Yeah, actually um, I give a little still- anecdote there because he came out of Maryland back when I was still on the road and his coaches absolutely hated him. He was by far the fat like he was a speed guy. Like you, you would have thought he was more of like a Ted Ginn prospect at the time, just in terms of like being like total vertical and and not the Ravine stuff. And I think the reason he dropped in the draft was a bit injury concern and a bit like they couldn't trust him to do a lot of things. And so I think people had that perception. He talked about overproducing his his draft position. He's been the speed guy, and then everything else that that people didn't think he would be. I think he was underdrafted at the time just because speed is speed. And like, I keep, I'll keep coming back to it when we talk about receivers. Like, that's the skill that scares me. That's the skill that I care about the most. But he's become all those other things in a way that nobody thought. He, he also, I think, suffered from having like a little, a rep as like a, a badass little kid in college, just sort of prideful and stubborn. And that probably hurt him too. But, well, yeah, he butted heads with the coaching staff. And so they, they buried him. Analytics, analytics have anything to say about that? <laughs> about no, I do not have anything to say about uh, his coach's opinions. All we're saying is we need to add in a Go Tigers column and a butted heads with coach column for our next uh, next week segment. That's top ten. I mean, definitely in the draft, people do have a butting heads with coach column in the way that they think about things. That's for sure. All right, 
running out of time. Let's go to number two. I know that we're going to have two differences here. Who do you have? Number two, we have Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams. And it hit with uh, Stefan Diggs, just uh, just like he was on our list. Keep going. Sorry. Um, he, uh, he was first in receiver total points. He was eighth in targets above expectation. And this is going across two quarterbacks. So like you said before, like with A.J. Brown, two different quarterbacks, same production level. 39th in positive percentage versus man, which is third highest in the top 10. And yeah, 65th in on-target catch percentage, which was eh, about middle of the road. But he ranked fav- favorably in all those categories. This done across two different teams and is still producing at one of the highest clips in the league. It's interesting you say that about two different teams because Bryce really hated this player because he's just what? riding Hunter Renfro's coattail. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, re- I regret not ranking him higher. A little bit. Uh, Renfro, you're talking about, right? No, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> No, what what can we say about Devontae? Probably the best the best release package in the league. Really good route runner, excellent hands, which is kind of weird to think about when the big concern coming about him coming out of Fresno State was that he was that he had a lot of drops and was inconsistent in that area. Even early in his career in the yeah. NFL, right? Yeah. So. Even even his first few years in Green Bay, he had that issue. His capacity is, is is yeah. Awesome. Yeah. The the flexibility and the body control, really strong hands. He's also just like a lot stronger than I think he's given credit for. He's mainly thought about, uh, like people th- think about his his fancy releases and his route running. But even when he does fail to separate in the way that he can separate, he is really strong at the catch point and can muscle defenders out. Also has, like Matt said, uh, insane catch radius. Can make catches that few guys in the leagues can in, in terms of like the acrobatic stuff. I, I regret not having him higher than AJ Brown, but that's okay. I'll mention Hunter Renfro on our list higher than Jamar Chase. Okay. This Justin, is I'll let you do embarrassing. Not because I'm just so embarrassed. <laughs> on previous lists, Hunter Renfro was number ten. Oh. We'll get to we'll get to the previous list when we talk about the their number one. But no, we're not gonna talk about this. We're gonna bury this and memories <laughs> of it. We're going to repress our memories of it. We're going to hide the audio. It's what's worked for us getting this far. Just repress it's, those memories, Bryce. It's embarrassing. All right, we'll flip over. We'll give our number two, and I will cede the floor to Bryce because it is his number one. I have a feeling it's James's number one also if he had his druthers. Justin Jefferson. So I think he's the best receiver in the NFL right now because he is both complete and dynamic. Excellent athlete, very good route runner, very strong hands, can make the theatrical catches, faces a lot of bracket coverage, still highly productive, good in all areas of the field. I don't think I have like any caveats to him, like with these other guys we've talked about. It's like he's really good at, at these things, and then he's like solid at other things. Like I think he's just very good at just about everything. The productivity is there. So I'm surprised he wasn't higher for you guys. So defend yourselves. What do you have to say? Justify your... You had him number four. I mean... <laughs> so, all right. So we'll talk about that first. We, our original version of this list, based on our original weighting, did not have Justin Jefferson in the top 10. And so unlike our plan and unlike last week or whatever, we were like, well, we can't do this. <laughs> we, must, <laughs> we must reweight because this is an unacceptable position. We also had Jamar Chase outside, but we felt a little bit more okay with justifying it based on the production that we were looking at but jefferson as james will note is is productive enough that you could you should be able to argue him into the top 10 so we had to adjust the metric to 
make him fit. So, so you just you just gave up after it was broken the second time, and you were like, "This is good enough." Yeah, I mean, you only want to overfit too much. It's yeah, it's, it's too much. I mean, if you do it once, it like it feels like an accident. Like you didn't really mean to do it. It's not so bad. We should plug the Off the Charts Baseball podcast this week, which which went into like how the Zips projection system for baseball is created. Because I feel like people that are listening right now might be interested in that sort of a conversation. <laughs> like, how do we build this? But let's go back. Let's go back to the the player Justin Jefferson. I again, I, I agree with you, Bryce. He's really good in every way. I've only had him really at at number three on my list, all things considered. So it's not like I think he's terrible, but just not like in terms of like the high end ability, it's not the highest end speed. It's not the highest end ability to separate. He's kind of like very good at everything, but I mean, I can't argue if you want him number one playmaking ability is, is there production, like you said, is there. And he's, he's also been a guy that if he had any sort of like little questions about it, you'd have big questions, but smaller questions about Justin Jefferson coming out. Was he too reliant on kind of needing to be in the slot and getting the releases that come along with that and that sort of thing? And he hasn't been in the NFL. He's been really productive in the slot, but he's also been productive lined up wide. So yeah, he's awesome. What can we say? I was I was going to ask Alex if he thinks if he has Justin Jefferson or or not where he has Justin Jefferson where Jalen Rieger ranks on on his list. <laughs> it's not very nice. Let's see. So Jalen Rieger. One hundred and seventy-two out of two hundred and eighteen, right, right around Kiki QT and Scotty Miller, who you've definitely thought about in the last couple of years. Could have been an Eagle. Yeah, that's. I mean, the Eagles, things worked out okay, but they did. They might not have had to trade for AJ Brown if they had Justin Jefferson. I understand. All right, our number one is no surprise. It's Tyreek Hill. He was the only guy that was a top two on both of our lists because I would have had Jefferson at three behind Chase. And Bryce would have had one Jefferson, two Hill, three. I can't tell if it's AJ Brown or Devontae Adams at this point. But Tyreek Hill to me gets the number one spot because if I have to line up against him tomorrow, he is the scariest one right now. Today, there's his his speed is just so elite. It's so freaky. His ability to get away from people is like nothing I've seen in the NFL. Like that that particular skill set. He's so freaky, fast and quick, not not just straight line speed. Yeah, he'll have some drops. Yeah, he's small and doesn't have the greatest catch radius. But what he does well is so good that it just changes the dimensions of the football field. So for me, I go Tyreek Hill, number one at this point. We'll leave out the bit about his character, again, purposes of this. <laughs> yeah, from a statistical standpoint and a production side, it sounds like you might want to talk to Mike McDaniel and Andy Reid about why they didn't get him the ball more. He was only seventh in total points, which only seventh, you know, still top 10. But for a player with that kind of athleticism, you think it would be a little higher. It's getting him more options, getting him the ball more. His highest ranking was fifth in targets above expectation. And then everything else, he was kind of middle of the road in terms of a receiver. 51st in percent, positive percentage first man, 67th in on target, on target catch percentage, which you alluded to, Matt, which he drops balls sometimes. And then was 57th in broken missed tackle percentage, which seems pretty low from what you consider Tyreek Hill to be. But that's, yeah. Again, he's came in number eighth on our list on a production standpoint with the rankings. It's kind of kind of justified for what he, what he was. The broken missed tackle percentage is interesting because I think about the way we chart 
broken and missed tackles, we kind of have to balance like giving credit to the receiver versus accounting for the fact that like where the defender is in terms of are they in a position to make the tackle. And his stop start is just so quick that it's it's hard to be it's hard to even get in a position to tackle it. Right. When he catches the ball and he's already running away from you, he doesn't get a broken and missed tackle. Like yeah, yeah. Gone. <laughs> like, or or even like the stop start thing, right? Like a guy could be ten yards away from you and he just does a little move that makes it so that you can't get to him once he gets to you. Right. And unless they were already in the position where like they were within a few yards of you, they were in like a real tackle position, then yeah. Yeah. I, I would consider him like one of the best yards after catch guys in the NFL, yeah. along with like AJ Brown, Debo. But the reason why I think he he's number eight on this list as opposed to higher is less about that and more about other things that these numbers that we're using are not probably capturing as well. It's just more of like I was saying, like changing the shape of the football field and what your entire defensive strategy is. It's actually an interesting point because from looking at the list and seeing last week on the pass rushers, five matches, we we're like, wow, here we're going to end up with zero matches. We're going to end up with really similar sort of like top fives, but zero matches. And I wonder if there's something that we could be doing to better estimate receiver skill based on the information that we know and maybe information that we should be adding to the what we collect. Because maybe there, maybe this is showing us that there's some meat on the bone there, or maybe it's just this is how we should expect this sort of thing to go. I think it's yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of that for sure. But I think that also ass rushing is maybe a little bit more of a single. It's closer to a single skill set than playing wide receivers. And so, so if we just did a separator list, we might we might yeah. get something that's more mm-hmm. interesting. I mean, we would need. You know, it would have to be examples of things that that we have a good job. We do a good job of evaluating numerically. But yeah, that's that's sort of my theory is that there's more elements to try and juggle and evaluate. Agreed there. All right. You guys are going to land the number one here. Just looking at the list. I don't think I obviously know. Oh, wait, maybe I do. Cooper Cup, huh? Oh, yeah. Cooper Cup. Bryce wouldn't have even had him on our list, I don't think. All right. Explain to us why your list loves injured players. They love injured players that put up record-setting seasons the year prior. Yes. <laughs> His production was absolutely off the charts. Left to right. Hey! hey. Play yeah. the music. <laughs> <laughs> he ranked 47th in broken missed tackles, which is his worst rating in the top 10. 37th in on-target catch percentage, which was first out of players in the top 10. Positive percentage, he was 25th, which was second. Fourth in targets above expectation second best in the top 10 receiver points. He was fourth and run blocking total points. He was second. So super high rankings, super high production for the metrics that we considered. And yeah, that's what makes Cooper cup our best receiver. Well, we made our list. We tried not to look at the stats. Like we tried to make the list and then we like checked some things later. And one thing I was checking was like, how much time did Cooper cup miss last year? And I looked at it and it said he played in like, I think nine games, but he still had like 75 receptions or something like that. His production is just ridiculous, and uh, I think quite simply that's what that's what is being reflected there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just imagine if he had played a full season because the the receiving total points is you know that's a total. So he he missed half a year, and we still put him as number one. So Matt, talk about why you love Cooper Cup aside from the seventy five catches in nine games. Why do I love Cooper Cup? Yeah, well, so that's where I would start. Is like 
productivity. It's very difficult at this. Like you could point at any reason why you. Oh, I don't think he's that fast. Like oh, I don't think he's got to play out of the slot in order to get his. Like you could make say all these things about him, but he's just been so outlier productive that I think it's sort of silly to argue at this point. He is. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go with another one of these. He's faster than he looks. Uh, oh, his brother. Yeah, he. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm doing there. But he's a big, he's a big receiver. He's not a small guy. And so he does have good length and, and good ability to sort of work in that regard. But I think what people don't credit for him enough is how quick he is in and out. He's sort of like a big slot with little slot skill. And that for that reason, I don't think he's, listen, I didn't put him number one. I'm, I ain't a nerd. I, I just argued him up to number nine. I just wanted him in the top 10 somewhere uh, for the production. But that is that is the skill set that I think he brings that's really interesting. It's the ability to get in and out of breaks like he's a five nine Julian Edelman type player, but he's actually like six one, six two, has the catch radius to go along with it, has the route savvy. Like so for all these reasons, you can't cover him with one person, and that's a that's a pretty good receiver, if you ask me. Should we should we go to honorable mentions now? I thought you were gonna fight me a little bit more, but yeah. No, we can do that. I have no fighting me. I've got the no next five Brett, days off. I'm, I'm, have? I'm looking at the clock. I'm looking at the clock, baby. So on our list, T. Higgins, Devontae Smith, and Amon Ross St. Brown have been honorably mentioned. I think our first guy, the only guy that I really think is, is worth pointing out was our first guy on the outside looking in, and he hasn't been mentioned. Bryce, somebody that I think you said you probably haven't watched as much of as I have? Yeah, Terry McLaurin. I, I, don't, I don't watch a ton of... Washington football, whatever whatever they might be named. But yeah, he we talked about him, we mulled him when we got to the bottom of our list quite a bit. He has unfortunately not had very good quarterback play there, has had some pretty good production regardless. Very fast, good route runner, solid hands. I don't think he scares me as much as the other guys in our top ten, but maybe if he maybe if I watched more Washington and he had more competent quarterback play, I, w- I could be swayed. Might be something I'm missing. No, I think I think you you actually said a lot of the points that I would have made really well. He is very productive despite poor quarterback play and like like really like really no offensive philosophy to speak of in Washington. But I don't think he's a true number one. Like we probably look at the top six or seven guys on the list and we say, oh yeah, I want that guy as a one. But he's like about as scary as they come as like a second threat, somebody who can take the top off, somebody who will make the the big play if you don't account for him properly. He'll sort of make that backbreaking play. And that's why I think we've seen him be as productive as he's been despite the quarterbacks that he's had. How does he shake out on on your guys' list? Like for us, he's right there, the Devontae Smith, T. Higgins, like right there with those guys. Yeah. So he's in that for for us, it sounds like that range is more of like ten to thirty in terms of the the uh, productivity measures, so he ends up being 25th, a little bit ahead of Mar Chase, for example, but definitely in that sort of wheelhouse. Yeah, the, the quarterback play thing is tough. We're we're at the mercy of guys getting the ball and getting the ball in good situations, right? He, like for example, we included positive play percentage versus man coverage. Well, that technically includes getting the ball to him and that sort of thing. Right. So, like there there are some. Lots of receiver stats are still quarterback and receiver stats for offense stats. Yeah. So that's assuredly part of it, but was top 20 in total points production. And that drives a lot. Honorable mentions from you guys before we get out of here. So, James, <laughs> name, name, name some names. All right, here we go. 
At 11th, DeAndre Hopkins, which is kind of part of this is like three year window historical production versus what you think of going forward, that sort of thing. But oh, we didn't even talk about him that. I looked at his name uh, at one point and I moved on. I think at that's this not, point, considering yeah. he's a top 10 wide receiver, one of the guys that better than one of the guys that we just talked about. I think that that's okay. I think that that's well, just like a limitation of what we're doing. Keep going. Keep going. Well, then you certainly talked about Tim Patrick at 12. Oh, brother. Yeah. Patrick, like the fourth best receiver on his own team? <laughs> Absolutely not. So part of the thing that's a little bit awkward for him is that by virtue of not playing at all in 2022, he doesn't, that doesn't count against him in terms of the, the volume because he doesn't even get like a row in the data set. So that part's kind of weird. Methodology, yeah. number 13. Yeah. <laughs> DJ Moore. Fair. DJ Moore is in the tier. 14, huh. Tyler Lockett, 15, Mike Evans. And then we get into T. Higgins, Chris Olave, Chris Godwin, and Garrett Wilson. That's not that bad. The Tim Patrick thing is pretty embarrassing, but... My, Mike Evans came up as our old guy named, like, not DeAndre Hopkins, but as, like, he was actually the guy that we thought of as, like, probably just a little bit past, but, like, two years ago, he's up there. And then on the rookie side, we mentioned both Olave and Garrett Wilson, but we couldn't see an argument for those guys to actually crack the top 10. We'll, co- we'll come back to it in a year. Well, and considering that we we had volume stuff within the season, but we didn't have volume stuff between seasons, right? So Patrick would be another example, right? So if you just have only played one or two out of the three seasons we were considering, you weren't dinged at all. So in that sense, they had good, you know, Olave and Wilson had good rookie years. Drake London wasn't that far behind, actually. And so having one solid season and, and not having the defenses of the league adjust to you and that sort of thing i'm imagining patrick just has like a super high percentage of his catches that go for first downs or something like that yeah i mean he's 15th in the total points measure which 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 is really just looking at two seasons for him and then doesn't bottom out with some of the metrics like other players do like he ranks no worse than 98th out of 200 some so that's also part of it i hate it and i resent you both i get it on that note, we will sign off and get out of here. As I mentioned before, please check out the SIS baseball podcast featuring Mark Simon, Bobby Scales, and more. As always, you can find us at sportsinfosolutions.com, on Twitter at sportsinfo underscore SIS, or our producer Justin Stein and the R&D Jamboree, Alex Vigderman, Bryce Rossler, and James Weaver. I'm Matt Manicherian, and thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Off the Charts football podcast. <laughs>